1: Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a foxoliner, moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12 month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: Can you win the game in the first quarter?
3: Night. You made a great freaking memory. We hung all night long. We did it, fellas. We stayed with it. We stayed. As the game got on, we did better. We, did, we got cleaner. We got sharper. Uh, to be able to do that at the end of the game, 92 yards to get it, and then also to take the football right back off, that's big time, big time freaking NFL football. It's a great job. What that means going forward, it don't matter right now. Let's just enjoy the f*** out of this win right now and have a blast with it. I'm so freaking jacked. I'm so freaking jacked. i God damn.
2: I love Pete Carroll. In keeping with the season, Pete Carroll definitely is spry. Grandma not. Pete Carroll, yes. Definitely. And there was some very clear Steve Buscemi, how-do-you-do-fellow-kids-gif vibes coming from Pete Carroll with the backward hat. But even with all that, even with all that, it's awesome to see a guy who's into his 70s who still loves what he does As much as he does, it is very inspiring to someone who is just a dozen years away. That's right. That same predicament, although it's not a predicament. We all walk the same path. We all get not necessarily the same number of years, but we get the same opportunity to live as many years as we can. Make the most out of what you have. And Pete Carroll is. And it's fun to see. It's fun to see. Football feels so corporate. And, and aseptic and sanitized at times, it's just fun to see euphoria. Natural, organic euphoria, especially in the season for happiness and love and euphoria. Just don't put the cameras in the Eagles locker room after the game.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you say steps up, step up his game, right? I mean, yeah, <clears throat> he's he's got unbelievable energy for somebody that's over 70 years old. That's all you've ever heard from anybody that's ever played for Seattle, worked for Seattle, anything. That's why they're able to rally, I think, the way they do in the fourth quarter. It's just always energy, competition, fight to the end. I mean, they do things in the team meetings to kind of enhance that culture that's within their building and and that competition that Pete Carroll has set forth. I mean, come on, 70-year-old, backwards hat, running around the locker room. It's really hilarious uh you know, and a big win for Seattle Seahawks stepping up their game right there. He really is. He's, he is like that guy (laughs) right there. There's no doubt about it. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Also, Um, you know, also within stepping up his game, like, I mean, step up your game, like seriously, like, what are you talking, I mean, what are you doing? Look at what I'm doing here. Look at my decorations. Look at me. I'm in the festive you know, holiday spirit. We stepped our game up for the holidays here. It's still that same old fake brick behind you. <laughs> I'm glad you used the pronoun we
2: at the end there because at first, I thought you were maybe trying to create the impression that you hung around on Monday. Well, Actually, yeah. God forbid, came in yesterday and hung a wreath. Somebody else hung the wreath. I don't have anybody here to hang the wreath. My wife has already done all the work to get the house decorated. I have done nothing. Right. She has done an incredible job. Step
3: up you your You should game. see
2: all the stuff. It's like Christmas vomited all over the place in the house. It's awesome. But I don't have anything to put there.
3: Well, I'm sure you do. Nothing. I'm it's, sure. I'm sure Jill has something to- and you can figure it out. Come on, man. If I tried to
2: bang a nail into the fake brick behind me the whole wall would come down. And this is actually this is actually the same unit that almost caught on fire years ago at our old house where right as we went off the air and they turned off the lights I heard like a pop and a sizzle and I smelled something really weird and there's LED lights that are fused together back there and there's electrical wires that jump from one to the next and one of them just blew so i've got a fire extinguisher up here and I keep it up here just in case that ever happens again. So All right, anyway, good. good. Anyway, Thanks for here. Thanks for bringing that. down. We're talking about
3: holidays anyway. and nothing. No one can turn it just uglier, or darker happen. than you. Yeah. Hey, it almost burned down, and I got it here in case it burns down. You're the Grinch. know, yeah, that's he fits well. There we no, go. No, I'm not. Now no, you're nope, in the spirit. Don't put that on me. Look at that. There you don't are. Put that on me. Can we Damn, do the whole show bad. like this? Can we do the whole show like this? It would be an improvement, right?
2: Improvement. It is an improvement. You need to trim your eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> it's it's funny because it's funny because I I uh I was planning to come up here and do a whole thing about how we're five days from Christmas and it's a great time of year. It is it's a magical time of year. Lean into the feelings, feel good about it. There's our countdown clock, and I finally learned it's right over there. Did I do it right yeah, this time? Yeah. Oh, I did. Uh, I'm still not 100 percent sure about that, but you know. When you are 12 years from 70, you don't know how many more 12 days of Christmas you're going to have. So I enjoy everyone. Oh, and by the way, do you realize we had a discussion about this last week? <laughs> when do the 12 days of Christmas begin?
3: Uh, That's a good Where question. They begin? I'm, I'm, that's a good question. I'm not um, exactly sure about that. Let me just throw out a guess, though. While we're I'm going to say it's like <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to guess that it is like. He's doing math, he's trying to subtract
2: twelve from twenty-five. Well, you, I was—I wasn't. But
3: I was actually thinking, like, is that too obvious? Is—is is twenty-five actually the last day, or does it go past it a little bit? So, okay, now that you said that, I'll say it's the thirteenth of December, even though I don't feel good about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. the first day of Christmas is Christmas. It is. Okay. The day of Christmas is January six. Wow, see, that's and the what wise I thought. Man brought okay. Brought gold frankincense and myrrh. All right. Star of wonder, star of bright. Miles Simmons didn't know it either. Yeah, he didn't know it either.
3: Nope. No idea. And he didn't
2: go to Texas.
3: <laughs> no.
2: He went to Columbia I, and he I didn't know. I
3: thought maybe Christmas was like in the middle somewhere or something. I didn't realize it was actually the start of the whole thing there. So that, that's, uh, that's good to know. That doesn't make you feel as bad when you leave the lights up and things like into January. Now you could justify yeah. it and be like, well, technically I, it's still the 11th day of Christmas. <laughs>
2: I tried that when I was a kid. I think that's how I'm aware of the whole 12 days of Christmas. I think the young lawyer version of me was trying to make that case to my mother (laughs) that the 12 days of Christmas don't expire until January 6th. Don't take all the stuff down. But and this is why I'm trying to enjoy the run up more than usual, because by now, after 58 prior Christmases, I've learned that it starts to feel a little stale once you get well, and I ride it out. The whole week between Christmas and New Year's Day. I don't regard any of it as feeling stale, but man, January 2nd, get that stuff down. It's done. Throw it out. It's
3: over. I, that, I, it's I, just like yeah. flipping a switch. I don't just I, I don't I don't I think I get to that point where I want the tree down right and the stuff in the house I'm outside the house, the Christmas lights there. I think that can have a little grace period. Like I, I, that, that one doesn't bother me as much. So if we're into the middle of January and we still got the lights outside the house that are still on for a little bit, kind of like saying, heck, you know, Hey, celebrating the new year as well that I could deal with it. The, the, the tree in the house. Once you start to go past that first week of January, I agree with you. That's a little bit like, wow. Okay. It's a little weird now it's time to, you know, change it over and flip the switch.
2: And, and look, January is a busy time for us because we have culmination of the regular season. We have playoff games. It's great. And my wife's going to have to be the one to undecorate the trees and supervise the process of storing the trees because we've got right now, if you count the barn, six trees in the house fully decorated. So it's going to be a project. Wow. Can't hide and money. Tell hopefully you. She, can, yep. she can enjoy. Hopefully she can enjoy. Well, and that we, we had this discussion. Because the the process of decorating the house is very cumbersome. And at one point, I made the mistake of saying, why don't we just hire somebody to do it? Yeah. And, well, in theory, it sounds good. But then it's like, wait a minute. Who's going to come in here and decorate our house? And how does that make it easier for me? I have to have people in the house trying to decorate it. And they're going to constantly ask me where stuff goes. So I should just do it myself. It's like, all right. Hey, I offered. I offered. I offered to write the check. We want to do it. Let's do it. It would probably be easier to hire somebody to undecorate because you just put the stuff in the boxes. You take the boxes outside. You store them, and then next year. But you should see. You've never come here, and you probably never will. We've got a room outside. That. That doesn't is make sense. We equipment. got a room
3: outside. What are you talking about? You Let me got. Tell you, I'm
2: trying to explain. You <laughs> have to go outside to access it. There's okay. a garage door there. It opens up. The pool equipment's in there, and it's this big room. This big utility gotcha. room. Gotcha. My nephew built this giant wooden rack. All the Christmas stuff goes there. And I mean, there is so there are so many containers and trees and stuff and big, giant. We've got like four big, giant soldiers. You know, the soldiers that stand there. Yeah. The, what are they? The nutcrackers or soldiers? whatever, right? I walk out. I walk out in the morning when I'm half out of it, and I like do a double take every day because I think somebody's standing in my freaking house. Yeah, anyway, it's, it's something. It's something. Um. But uh, but it's going to be a great few days. Everybody enjoy it. Yep. The season is upon us. Lots it's of the football. Twentieth. We got a couple of great games coming up on Saturday. NBC Steelers hosting the Bengals in the afternoon, four thirty, I believe. you yep. Probably know by now. Coverage begins at three on NBC and Peacock. The night game exclusively on Peacock. Bills at Chargers, and you can make faces about the Chargers. I have, but it's the Bills who are one of the hottest teams in football right now. We'll do the power rankings later. They're as high as an 8-6 team has ever been in any power rankings. And they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. So who cares who they're playing? You watch the Globetrotters beat up on the Generals. Watch the Bills beat up on the Chargers on Saturday night. You can only do it on Peacock. All right. Let's get back to Pete Carroll. Okay. Let's do it. We played that at the beginning for a reason because he spoke yesterday about some of the stuff that came out of the game on Monday night. Here he is on What they've characterized as a true game-time decision, and nobody knew. It's one of the few times where nobody had any idea right up until the start of the game who was playing quarterback, Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Smith has a groin injury, and we found out, as possibly Locke did at the very last moment, you're the guy, go do it, and he got it done. Here's Carroll talking about that yesterday.
3: Gino was not able to go hard in practice during the week because he had tweaked a little bit of something the week before. We just wanted to just save him for as long as we could, give him as much recovery time as possible. So he did a minimal amount of work on the field. Drew took the rest of the bulk of the work. He looked great in pregame. He could throw the ball. He could drop back. We, I chased him. We chased him a little bit to try to get him to move a little bit. Uh, but he still hadn't had the opportunity to go full speed run and really show it. And all of the trainers and the docs all wanted him to to get another week if he could get it. It was a total gut-wrenching conversation because he looked better than we thought he would look in pregame. He might have done great, but at least we bought him another week, and now he's ready to go.
2: Yeah, they bought him the week by getting a much-needed win, snapping a four-game losing streak, and Drew Locke was awesome down the stretch, Chris. And I don't believe that Drew Locke was so great that all of a sudden – it vaults him over Geno Smith. They're no. already saying Geno Smith right. is going to play against the Titans this weekend. But, boy, it does give you something to think about after the season if you're the Seahawks because they can pull the plug on that Geno Smith contract. They didn't accidentally draft it that way that they could get out after one year. Locke was back on a one-year deal. Both are 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 there, and both have shown they can do it. And maybe they find a way to keep both of them together. Maybe that's in the best interest of the team. Keep Geno Smith there, have Drew Locke around, let him compete a little bit, that's what Pete Carroll always says. Yeah. And that was the big irony of, remember when Colin Kaepernick was available and the Seahawks were the only team that was interested, and Carroll said, well, we don't. he's a starter and we don't need a starter. Well, what about competition, competition, competition? He's always about compete everywhere, compete, compete, compete. I don't know, maybe we're evolving toward a, an era in Seattle where you've got Drew Locke, you got Geno Smith, and they will compete next year to see who the best guy is.
3: Yeah, I, you know, hey, Drew Locke did some good things in the game, right? There's no doubt about that. We know he's got talent. He can throw the ball. I think the, the question still is, can he just, like, play the game consistently week after week, you know, pass, te- pass attempt after pass attempt where he takes care of the ball, doesn't do, you know, some dumb things that we've seen him do in the past, whether it's Seattle or with the Denver Broncos. You know, I think those are the questions. I don't think it's the physical ability. You see there, I mean, he can drop it in the bucket. He can drive the ball. It's all of that. It's kind of the instincts and playing the game and making the right quarterback decisions. I think that's the big thing with Drew Locke. I think, you know, in a way, too, hey, it's Geno Smith. He was banged up like Pete Carroll talked about. He had the elbow arm injury before that. It's been a number of weeks where he's kind of been battling with injury and not being totally 100%. So I understand them starting Drew Locke. You know, as far as the two-quarterback thing and your Pete Carroll and the competition, I mean, it, it's a good thought. I, I don't think both of them will be there. I think it'll be one, and it'll be a maybe a drafting of a quarterback or something like that to maybe create the competition you're talking about keep one hey we got somebody for right now to make us good draft a quarterback hey if he blows us away maybe he could be a starter like Russell Wilson was as a rookie but we got him there to compete get better and maybe he's the quarterback of the future that's maybe how our you know that's kind of how I would see the offseason playing out with the Seattle Seahawks uh, at least in my mind Mike
2: I can't help but wonder Chris if and when a good Backup quarterback. Yeah. Who, in lieu of getting himself pigeonholed at number two behind a starter who may go wire to wire, decides to say, I'm not signing with anybody. I'm going to wait. Yeah. Because inevitably somebody's getting hurt. Right. Inevitably somebody's going to be out for the season. We used to say that about running backs. Now we have to say it about quarterbacks. Used to be, oh, you can't bank on a quarterback getting injured. They don't get injured. Well, after this year, there have been five, six season ending injuries to quarterbacks, and Drew Locke. Could have been Jake Browning. Could have been Nick Mullins, Josh Dobbs, Jaron Hall. Could have been out there saying, I'll wait. Could have been the replacement for Aaron Rodgers if the Jets would have been willing to do anything other than Zach Wilson. So there may be something to be said for saying, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to rush and take a one-year, $5 million deal to be somebody's backup. Yeah. I'm going to train on my own. I hear you. I'm going to spend my own money. I'm going to have myself ready. And then I'm going to have leverage when one of these guys pops into Kelly's tent. And the problem is so many of these teams want to go next man up. That's right. You better be a lot better than the option they have in-house. Yes. Because the safer course. I was having this conversation last night with some radio folks here in West Virginia because Will Greer is talented. And Will Greer was good at WVU. And he can't get on the playing field. In a season that has brought us all these guys that we're like, well, who the hell is that? Easton Stick, North Dakota State. Like, how's Easton Stick on the on the field and not Will Greer? Well, Greer's in L.A. now with the Chargers, and maybe he'll get there. But I think coaches are so comfortable with the guys who know the offense, know the players. The, the quarterback knows them. They know the quarterback. There's just a greater comfort level there than plucking a guy off the couch, especially when that guy has no track record. Yeah. Even though he may yeah. be a better thrower of the football and have more potential, this isn't about p- potential. This is about not drowning. This is about putting a guy on the field who's going to know who his teammates are and make things happen. So I think for a guy of a certain talent level, that's one of the options now that needs to be considered. Well, I, yeah, I'm I, not signing in March –
3: I'm going to wait and see who gets hurt. I I hear what you say, you know, and I think, you know, to your point, too, right? And you named off some of the guys this year. The ones that are having the most success, I mean, we know we're having Joe Flacco, but that's a different scenario. That's a guy that's, you know, been, been played a ton of football, has great experience, doesn't need the practice and know the system quite like everybody else. But I think in the other cases, you talk about, you know, Jake Browning or Gardner Minshew, that more fits with what you're talking about. Next guy up, I know the system. It's not a big shock to our football team here to reorganize our attack or do what we got to do around this new backup quarterback there. I could see Geno Smith doing that more than Drew Locke, to your point, Mike. Geno Smith, I think, has been around and played enough football to where he could maybe wait a little longer and be picky and choosy that, that way. Maybe and not, not want to sign for a team. And, and and then I think a team would be comfortable, you know, with him in that scenario to a degree. And I haven't thought about this a whole lot, right? But uh, but Drew Locke, he's a guy that I'd go, no, he needs to be on a team right now. He hasn't played enough football. We've seen him repetitively do some reckless stuff at the quarterback position. I wouldn't trust him to go cold turkey, off the couch, come here and run the football team all of a sudden. Geno Smith, I'd have a little more confidence. So I think it's a little bit about the nuance of the situation uh, to, to to your point there and, and see where it goes. But I think that will or could be a thought for some of those veteran quarterbacks uh, when it comes time to sign in the offseason. And Geno Smith is under contract for two more years. The
2: Seahawks have to yeah. make their decision. right By the fifth day of the waiver period that's the fifth day after the super bowl the friday after super bowl week that's when 12.7 million in salary for next year becomes fully guaranteed so no reason to think they won't keep him around it's not an unreasonable contract as quarterbacks go and he's done well for them and they may think that this is the guy if they could keep him together with Locke, maybe that's the way to go
0: around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
1: Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGard Plus, a Foxaloner, moxidectin, and pyrantel chewable tablets. NexGard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about Nexgard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: One last thing about Locke before we move on, because yeah. really we'd have a much different opinion about Locke if that first play... From the final drive when they were on their own eight-yard line, the ball bounces up in the air if the Eagles had caught it. And I said this yesterday, Chris. There have been so many times where on one of these drives late in a the game, there's an opportunity to slam the door, and it doesn't happen. And I said to my son when it happened on Monday night, well, here it comes. They, they, they had their near miss. The Eagles could have ended it. Now watch. Here they go. Boom, off they go. And I feel like it takes so much of the heat off of the team that's trying to score when they have one of these near disasters where it's almost over before it starts, where they, like, loosen up. And I think the defense almost thinks, oh, crap, here we go, here it comes, and it mashes together because there have been multiple times where I've seen this happen. It happened last Monday night with the Titans when there was an opportunity for the Dolphins to pick off Will Levis when the Dolphins were up 14. And they didn't get it, and boom, touchdown! Get the ball back, boom, touchdown! I just feel like there's something weird psychological that happens I when you have one of those near misses. I don't. The think Asante you're wrong. Samuel dropped the interception in Super Bowl forty-two. Sure. Right, he just kind of opens the door, right. to something crazy. The happening. Tuck
0: rule
3: fumble with Brady and all that. I mean, what would life be like that if that didn't happen? I mean, you could go. You're right. There's a lot of great moments in history where you'd go. Huh? If they just remember a few plays before that, right? Joe Montana to Jerry Rice in the or John Taylor in the end zone threw a ball right into the safety's chest. Like four plays before that, could have been over. Bengals could have been the Super Bowl champions. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a tough sport, and you got to be a little lucky at times. And I think to your point there, with that like mental gymnastics or uh, the psychology of that, I think the defense goes ah. Oh, we could have ended the game right there, you know. So there's a little of that that's like, oh, I can't believe we blew that opportunity. And the offense is going, holy crap, we almost lost it there. Holy, we better get on our P's and Q's and, you know, cross right. our T's and or, dot our or I's. Or it's just, you know. Or it's just we're on house money now. Well, we're, man, you, we, 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 sure. You know what? Yeah, we, we dodged be a bullet dead. there. Let's yeah. go play. Yeah, we yeah. dodged a bullet. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was certainly an opportunity by the Eagles. And then, yeah, it wasn't long after that. Bing bong boom! Drew Lock hits a few passes, and wow. all of a sudden we got a touchdown. And, uh, really amazing! I mean, it was it was an amazing thing, and and I think to your point with that play and even the game in general, right? You know, we talk about this. I feel like almost every Monday, one team that was controlling the game and had a chance to be up more than what they were and they let that team hang around and it's NFL football and it's NFL football players who are damn good and you let them hang around, they're going to make a few plays and make things interesting and, you know, it became more than, than interesting for Philadelphia, that's for sure. And Yeah, that was a, a big loss for them, a uh, big loss in the NFC and, of course, makes the 49ers feel more comfy and cushy at the top of the NFC. And what it does in the NFC East, we wrote about this yesterday. Michael
2: Gelkin of the Dallas Mornings really put it out there. And I actually went and crunched the numbers because yeah. if the Eagles went out and the Cowboys went out, now it's not going to be easy for the Cowboys to win out. They have to win at Miami this weekend. And we know how they are on the road, especially when it's not artificial turf, although that grass in South Florida plays it fast. fast, right. Then they're at home against the Lions, and then they play the Commanders in D.C., but if the Cowboys go 3-0 and and the Eagles go 3-0, and the division title will be decided by the fifth tiebreaker, Strength of Victory. It's amazing. And Strength of Victory is shorthand for the win-loss cumulative record of the people you've beaten. And I did the math yesterday. The Eagles have a huge lead in that regard. The teams they have beaten have a record combined that is about 16 games ahead of the teams the Cowboys have beaten. So it's going to be hard for the Cowboys to catch them. So if the Eagles win their final three games, that Giants sandwich of New York, Arizona, New York, and the Cowboys win their final three games, the Eagles will win the division, and the Cowboys will be the five seed on the strength of victory tiebreaker. Fifth tiebreaker down the stack. And as happy as Jerry Jones was on Monday night when the Seahawks pulled that game off, and he talked about it yesterday on his Tuesday spot, 105-3, the fan in Dallas, it's sobering to realize, even if you win the next three, the Eagles are going to be heavily favored in the next three. They win the next three. They win the division. Unless unless the teams that the Cowboys have beaten engage in some kind of late-season uprising and the teams the Eagles have beaten fall apart, and the Cowboys catch them in that very obscure fifth tiebreak.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I didn't realize that's where it got to or I realized it came down to that, but I didn't realize that the Eagles would still have the lead there. But yeah, Dallas can to make can make up some headway here. I you know maybe they get lucky to where a team like the Chiefs or whoever else don't play in the last week of the year. They take a loss. You know, but gosh, after that, there's not too many teams on their schedule that are going to be taking losses or that they beat that are going to be looking to pack it in late in the football year. So, yeah, it, it looks more than likely that the Eagles are going to win it Win it if the, both teams win out. And a quick refresher for myself and everyone else. When you've got two teams in a
2: division and you're trying to figure out how they resolve the tiebreaker, first is head-to-head, and in this season they split, the Cowboys and Eagles did, best – one loss tied percentage in games in the division, and they'd split on that if both teams went out. Best one loss tied percentage in common games, and they would split on that if they went out. Best one loss tied percentage in games played within the conference, and they would split on that if they both went out. Then we get to strength of victory. The next would be strength of schedule. Then best combined ranking among conference teams in points scored and points allowed in all games. I mean... You're getting to some really obscure stuff. Really, once you get past four, you get to strength of victory. You're getting pretty obscure. And the chances of a tie, could you imagine that if the combined record of all the teams the Cowboys beat and all the teams the Eagles beat was the same and you would get to number six, it's amazing to think that we're even at five. So that's where we are for the Eagles and the Cowboys. What's the biggest red flag for you? Despite this good news for the Eagles, beat the Giants, beat the Cardinals, beat the Giants, you win the division. Yeah. Guaranteed. Right. What's the biggest red flag for the Eagles coming out of Monday night?
3: I, well, the 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 defense has been a concern, right? So that, that, that red flag's been raised up. I mean, too talented to – and obviously, that was a drastic move that they made. I mean, putting Sean Desai up in the box, letting Matt Patricia run the defense, I think that kind of tells you it all. They the red flag's been up in Philadelphia in that department. So nothing was raised for me. That was a tough situation for Matt Patricia to take something over like that where it's not really his defense, but now it's like, hey, it's your defense and try to win a football game for us. Not easy. Not at all. It was better, okay. But I, I think to me, the concern is the the offense, the efficiency, you know, the taking care of the football. That game the other night was supposed to be won by the Philadelphia offense. No contest. Like, no contest. Everybody moves the ball on Seattle. Everybody. Whatever way they want. So that, to me, is the red flag, let alone, hey, the way Jalen Hurts has looked. You've heard me say, right? I've told you in some shows, and I've been saying it on my podcast, he's in some bad habits. He got away with it against some of the lesser teams in football. But there's a handful of plays every game where I go, that guy's open. Why don't we throw it? And he runs. Or why did we leave the pocket? It's perfectly fine. Somebody's about to be coming open here. So I think when you couple that with some of the turnovers and then the lack of Shane Stedkin, yeah, I'm concerned about their offense. I think that's the red flag, let alone the comments Jalen Hurts makes. Those are... You know, cracks in the armor type of comments there. That things aren't, you know, as smooth as they should be in Philadelphia land. And that that's what I worry about. But this, hey, the two turnovers, they were horrible. It's first and ten. This play right here, you're, you're in field goal range already. You got the best field goal kicker in football. It's 17-13. They just went down and got a field goal. Go up by a touchdown. Protect that field goal. And then, of course, this one at their own 45, again, field goal range is one more completion away to just throw the ball up and throw that type of football uh, yeah that that to me is it's just alarming that it's the defense was an issue and now it seems to be filtering over to the offense where it's been less than play from that side of the ball for really about four to five weeks in a row now
2: Hey, I said this yesterday on that first play, the throw to Quez Watkins. You don't throw a 50-50 ball there unless you've got A.J. Brown back there making it a 70-30 exactly right. ball or exactly. an 80-20 ball exactly. like you did in the Super Bowl. Right.
3: You don't throw that ball in that situation. It's, not Quez, it's Quez Watkins. And, You're right. Exactly right, Mike.
2: Yeah. And the last one, and I want to know what the play call was, what the play design was. Was Jalen Hurts supposed to go hero ball deep to A.J. Brown in double coverage where the guy that picked you off? on that prior play is playing deep safety center field back there, ready to go break on the ball. Was that designed because whoever made the decision, it was a dumb decision. You've got 15 yards to a 58 yard field goal by a guy who can make it in Jake Elliott. You got two timeouts. I mean, I I remember seeing at the start of that drive, 28 seconds. I always do that. You check the bug at the bottom of the screen for the situation. And I always look at the timeouts. It's like, Holy crap, they, they got all their timeouts.
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they were golden. Eight
2: seconds left, and they got all their timeouts. They're in position to tie this game and force overtime. I still got a chance. I still got a chance to be right, both as the, the winner of the game and as the Eagles covering the spread. They could win 26-20 in overtime. I picked 27-21. That's close enough for me, baby. I was getting excited. And then Jalen Hurts has that nice run up the middle. Whoa, they're at the 45 with 13 seconds and both timeouts. Here we go. The whole field is open to them. How many times do we talk about, oh, just guard the sideline. They can't throw it in the middle of the field. You got two timeouts. You can throw it wherever you want to throw it. Why are you throwing it to the 20? And, Chris, if he caught that pass there, if A.J. Brown catches that ball at the 20, there's six seconds left. You take a timeout, what are you going to do? You're going to throw it to the end zone once and hope that there's still time left for the field goal, or you just kick the field goal there? Yeah. So it, it made no sense. Unless you're throwing to the end zone there, there's no upside. None whatsoever. I want to know what the play call was. I want to know what the reads were supposed to be. I want to know who made that decision to throw the ball from the 45 to the 20 in that spot because that was stupid, and it robbed them of a chance to potentially force overtime. Because. I don't care what the percentages are. I've watched enough football in my life to know. You got a better shot at the 45 with 13 seconds and two timeouts to get yourself into range for Jake Elliott to force overtime.
3: Yeah, listen, I I could tell you. I could tell you the play. I could tell you what they were doing, right? Some of it does go on the Philadelphia Eagles coaches, right? I do think that they and Jalen Hurts and everybody, they they were like taking a shot to try to win the game. They were. Mike, they had three – they kept everybody in to protect. They sent three people down the field. On the right side, A.J. Brown ran it an out and up, up the sideline. So they called a double move. And quarterback world and communication with your offensive coordinator, right, they're telling you within that move, if you get the right defense, we'd like you to throw that ball, right? So, you know, that That's not would, the right defense. No, it, it was. It was. It's the single safety defense. But he he, as he drops back – his eyes, his delivery are too—they're too demonstrative towards AJ Brown to where Jordan Love never really stays in the middle of the field. He starts to go that way almost instantly, right? So that's the—that's the problem with uh, the play overall. And so he has that. Okay, he has a crosser over the middle. And then an out route at the top of the screen, which you could see right there if you went back and watched it one more time, where he's got Devontae Smith and he could throw the out route. And that's probably the safe play, to your point. Okay? But, yes, within that yeah. play call, the the coach is telling him to be aggressive. And then within that, too, Jalen Hurts kind of eyes it down. He doesn't keep the safety all the way over there. And then the biggest thing is A.J. Brown's got the guy beat. I mean, he's beat. He's... Yeah, as you can see right underthrown. there, he's gone. Badly
2: underthrown. The
3: ball was 10 yards underthrown. So that's the biggest problem there. And so I can't, like, totally – I can blame Jalen Hurts for the throw and all of that, but the coaches led him to that decision too within calling that type of player move, and so they deserve some of the blame there and how that game ended.
2: And you had a guy who's got the flu, who had to fly – to Seattle on a That's separate right, plane. You right. you really want him going out there with the game on the line, throwing the ball that far in that moment? And
3: He, he already underthrew a look- deep ball for the interception earlier in the fourth quarter, right? So that wasn't like he was, you know, he threw another deep ball to A.J. Brown where on the left sideline late in the third quarter, that was not even in the stratosphere of A.J. Brown. So, yeah, between all those things you're talking about, you're like, yeah, hey, maybe he's not on his game today. He has been sick all week. He didn't practice much or at all, I think. And maybe we shouldn't try to put the game in his hands like that for a one-play situation. I think it's a valid point by you.
2: And I don't want to take away anything from what Julian Love did there to make that play because you can see Hertz does at least look to Devontae Smith. He's not eyeing A.J. Brown the entire time. Yeah, he keeps Love it down the, the middle and then and he, he goes already, this
3: way. Right, right.
2: Yeah, and uh, Love's already emboldened by the play he made earlier. Like, why are you giving this guy another chance To go do what he already did. The guy's got great ball skills. He gets over there, great center fielder, makes that catch. He's on that hash already because he was already favoring
3: A.J. Brown, too, right? I mean, they know who they want to throw to in the money moment, you know, to all that. And then, yeah, you're right. You know, Hertz looks down the middle. He comes this way. He throws a floater in the air that's underthrown. You know, Hertz's delivery is long and deliberate, so that does give defenders a chance to kind of read it as it comes out of his hands. And Jordan May- Love made a-, a good play, a good play that I've- I I still don't Julius. think his second foot came down out of, uh, in bounds. I don't think it did. No, it did. It did. It did. We There's, saw one, official. Angle. There's okay. one angle. There's one there,
2: angle. There, I there was because I was watching it, thinking wait a minute, wait a minute, the left foot never hit, the left foot never hit. There's one angle in particular where you can see the foot kind of bounce off the turf. And it was never going to be clear and obvious to overturn the ruling on the field yeah, because right. it looks like the left foot bounces off the turf. It's one of those eureka moments where you're like, oh, I'm not 100% sure, I'm not 100% sure, I'm not 100% sure. And there's one angle going down the field, and we may get to it here. If you watch that left foot, you can see it react. to the. Watch it here, watch the left foot. Yeah, I don't you think can that see touches. see it as it comes down, see it. There's a, there's one angle where you'll say I think it touched. Maybe I know it wasn't that one. I, I well,
3: it's an optical there's one illusion. One where it's but like I, I, I think still it don't touched. think it did, but either way, it's all right. It was too close, like you said. If you well, have to watch it 77 times to realize what it is, it's
2: not clear. And exactly
3: obvious. right. That that see like go oh, go back on that one if we can just a little bit. That's the one I'd like to see one more time if you can, just a little far. Oh, it Just cuts off. But yeah, I felt like it didn't. Either way, it's a game of inches. We know sometimes you got to be. You know, luckier than good. Yeah, just a little after this, guys, when they show that other angle. I there's
2: one where it's like the foot, the foot moves, the foot reacts to something, and that's the one. Yeah, that that one isn't dispositive. But there's one like it's like I, I did the same thing. I'm saying I don't think it's foot. I don't think it's what. Oh, okay, it did. And the other thing too, just and this may be a topic for another day, and I think it bears watching as we go forward. Yeah. I think they're pushing, and I think we talked about this Monday, they're pushing the clear and obvious standard. It seems like
3: it, right? Because right.
2: The, the the David Njoku catch, we talked about that Monday. We yeah. did talk about this. Now it's coming back to me. Yep. I feel like, the, the and the Calvin Ridley at the back of the end zone, I feel like they're expecting more to overturn the ruling on the field. So that would make it even harder to overturn that one on Monday night.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, it, it does seem that way. The last two weeks, I feel like we've gotten a little bit more like, hey, if it ain't obvious – and if we got to watch it a bunch of times and gather around and go, let's bring out our magnifying glasses to see it, then damn it ain't clear and obvious and let's move on with life. And uh, I-, I think that's the right approach.
2: And You know what's encouraging about that? I don't want to give them too much credit for being strategic and proactive, but it might be that they really understand that they have to have replay review for everything the same way college <coughs> does. They can't do this gamesmanship and – When does Sky Judge get involved? When is it a full-blown replay challenge? Why did I have to throw my red flag there when Sky Judge should have helped? Sky Judge is currently this vague and amorphous force that applies randomly, it seems like. I think they're moving toward college-style, review everything. And if you're going to do that, it better be clear and obvious. It better be one look, full speed. Did they get it wrong? Did they... You know, is did they clearly get it wrong? And if they did, we overturn it. That may be that may be the hint that they're thinking about that. Okay, we better be we better be true to clear and obvious. We can't have two minutes of you know you know. The, I think the rule should be if you have to squint, it's not clear and obvious. Because I found myself doing that the other day in the viewing room. It's like what really happened there. If you have to do that, it ain't clear yeah, and exactly. obvious. exactly. And I think maybe they're right. trying to get there. Right. So that that could be the good news. Coming out of all this weird news for the Seahawks before we move on to the next topic. Jamal Adams apparently wasn't at the game at all on Monday night and he was injured. And and I saw somewhere that one of the aggregator, reaggregator, re re on Twitter suggested he was a healthy scratch. Not a healthy scratch. He's injured. He didn't practice at all during the week. He had a knee injury. They made the decision he wasn't going to play. And all we know with clarity is he wasn't at the game. Now, did he show up? Did he leave? I don't know. And Pete Carroll made some excuses for him yesterday comparing him to Geno Smith. Well, Geno Smith was at the game. So I don't know that that's apples to apples. But, you know, we, we know that Jamal Adams can be a little cantankerous. Can be, you know, maybe he wanted to go out and give it a try, and they said no, and he got mad. But regardless, it, it should shock no one to realize that they're going to have issues with Jamal Adams. Great player, but brings that attitude that the Jets knew full well and the Seahawks had every opportunity to realize and weigh in their decision both to trade for him and to pay him and it's part of what they have to deal with now hey, so they're not yeah. going to they already called him out for they already called him out for bad play against the 49ers they're not going to call him out for not being at the game on Monday
3: night. No. Well, it's all fishy. I mean, it's fishy. It is. Now, not everybody in every team has a policy of like, oh, the the injured players have to be there. Sometimes, you know, as we've talked about in the past, some teams, if you're injured, they don't even want you on the sidelines because they just want the guys that are in the fight, that got to worry about the game that day, focusing with each other, you know, not the guy who's like, man, what, you know, what color gum should I eat right here? What do you guys think? You know, I mean, there's, so they don't want that distraction of people who are not playing. Okay. Okay. You know, more times than not, you know, yeah, you'd like your guy to be in the building, whether that's up in a suite where the injured players can sit, you know, or I mean, if it's standard protocol for injured guys to be on the sideline and support your team, then you'd like them to be there. I do think it's fishy. Yeah. One, it's Jamal Adams, right? And if he can go home, that's okay. I understand that. But I'd also go, hey, you're the highest, one of the highest paid players on the football team. You probably should be there. And support of your football team. You haven't played a whole lot of football since you've been there, right? So this would be something I would say to do to support the football team as well. And then on top of that, where I say it's fishy, yeah, I know Pete Carroll called out Jamal Adams for the play against the 49ers. You know, he's, he's being nice. I mean, within just doing that. I mean, Jamal Adams, listen, there's no you know, easy way to say this. He's not playing good. It's not good. I certainly could see a scenario to what you're talking about. Maybe he wanted to play or give it a go, and they were kind of like, eh, you haven't been so good. Take another week to get healthy. I, I certainly could see that. So it is fishy to me. It doesn't make sense. Jamal Adams should be there in the building in some extent. But, yeah, between Pete Carroll calling him out and then Jamal Adams' you know, lack of playing over this contract to begin with and then his play this year, You know, Mike, you know me. I I thought, I think the world of Jamal Adams for a long time is a safety, but right now, you know, he doesn't have much to stand on. The play is not good. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of let him know that they were going to try Julian Love out there no matter what uh, in that game, whether he was healthy or not. That would not shock me if they went that way.
2: Well, and you have to wonder did they make the assessment that he's going to be a negative presence on the sideline if he's here. Maybe. We don't need him chirping. Right. He likes to chirp. Yes. We don't need him chirping about this, that. We don't need the comments. We don't need the attitude dragging guys down. It's better that he's just not here, although it could have come in handy during that moment when apparently it was one of the practice squad centers that gave the elbow to A.J. Brown. And that guy, the league told me, will be facing a fine. Doesn't fall into the big dom category. For non-players, you can get banned from the sideline. For players, they can't ban you from the sideline, but they can fine you. And we saw that yesterday. And there were three guys that I think may need to worry because one guy throws the shoulder at A.J. Brown. And then two other guys who probably were players, practice squad or inactive players, they started taunting A.J. Brown. If Jamal Adams was down there, that would have been a more... Interesting exchange, <laughs> potentially, if he had jumped into that. So I kind of wish he was there, Chris, just for that fact.
3: Yeah, well, yeah I, I mean, I, I guess it would have been maybe good drama, but who knows what would have happened on the sideline there, yeah, in that scenario. But either way, you know, Seahawks media, us, it's certainly fair to question why Jamal Adams wasn't there. That's odd. It is. And I think to question it along with Pete Carroll's comments and then Jamal Adams' play for the year, which is way below his standards – Right. I know what he's capable of. Right. And you give him a little leeway because, you know, he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, I know Jamal Adams a little bit. His dad played for the Giants. You know, all that. Yeah. I mean, so there's some things that are concerning there, you know, with his play and how that situation went down on uh, Monday night. That's for sure.
2: They're looking at a $16.5 million salary for him next year. They can get out of There's it. No there There's no chance. There's no chance. There would be a cap charge if they move on. There's we'll no see, chance we'll he'll be happens. with the Seattle Seahawks it's after not, this year. Zero. Yeah, and, and, the mon- and the money's not guaranteed. They can cut him with right. the post-June 1 designation. No one's going to trade for him. I mean that, that goes back to what I've said about other players. Anytime you trade for a guy who wants out of the team he's currently with, at some point that attitude is going to apply to you. It's just a matter of time, and maybe you get some great play out of him before it happens, but it's inevitable, and all these coaches think they're going to be the ones to get through to a guy. It doesn't work. Well, I mentioned that incident on the sidelines where the practice squad player dropped the, the shoulder into A.J. Brown. That was more effort than George Pickens was given at the goal line on Saturday. He addressed yesterday the obvious loafing that we saw when Jalen Warren could have potentially scored a touchdown, but for the failure of George Pickens to throw a block. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.